welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 13. Today, I'm joined by lovely guest, Karabo Zwane. She's an infertility advocate and is the founder of the organization, Hannah, You're Not Alone. She founded this to help other couples. She's married to Pastor Jerry Zwane, and they both live in South Africa. They were invited to speak about their experience with infertility at the first fertility show in Africa, which held in South Africa in March of 2020. Carabo stresses that it's also imperative that those suffering from infertility meet those who have gone through the same experiences. It helps you to keep believing in miracles when you hear of other people's success stories, she says. Carabo is very active on Instagram and also hosts a weekly Instagram live show centered around infertility uh, by the name Coffee and Conversations on Sundays. Our Instagram handle is at Hannah underscore you are not alone. Her details would also be in the show notes. So thank you and welcome, Karabo. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, <laughs> all the way from South Africa. Yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so to start off, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a 36-year-old uh, woman living in South Africa. Um, I am a lecturer by profession um, in one of the um, um, higher learning institutions in South Africa. Wow. Um, I am married to a pastor mm-hmm. um, and um, I'm, I'm a mom to two boys. Wow. Um, I'm a very passionate person um, about advocating for infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I am outgoing. I just, I just love, you know, uh, things that I don't know yet. Very adventurous. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. So can you tell us about your infertility journey from the beginning till now? Mm-hmm. So um, that's a great question. Thank you very much. Um, so we, my husband and I got married quite early. We were both very young when we, we got married. Um, I was 21 and he was uh, 25. Um, and we, we did not have any plans to have children when we first got married. So mm-hmm. it was our plan to wait, you know, um, because both of us are from a strong Christian background. We, mm-hmm. we got married early and we decided that we are going to wait uh, so that both of us can finish our degrees, um, mm-hmm. study further, um, accumulate some assets. Just also just have some couple time, you know, if you get married early, why rush having children? Um, And we, we, we waited, I was on contraceptives. um, And at that time, my, my husband already had a child from uh, when he was younger. So we had um, a a, a child uh, that was not staying with us at that time. 
and we just waited. So I was on contraceptives for most of the time. Mm -hmm. And it was on year number four when um, we planned that, okay, year number four, we should fall pregnant. So that year number five, we give birth. Everything was planned, you know. Um, our children were going to be two years apart. So when the other one is 18 months, we were going to fall pregnant again. So that's how strategic we were yeah. about our family planning. I stopped contraceptive. Um, everything was normal. My periods were normal. There wasn't anything really that uh, could uh, give me an idea that I might have fertility issues. Right. And around year number five, things were not happening now. Um, year number four, actually, we um, started going to doctors and they, they told us, no, everything is fine, just go and relax. And I stopped taking contraceptives and I went home and relaxed. Uh, but you know, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart weary. Yeah. Then there came a time when the heart be started becoming weary now. Now the expectation was like, why is it not happening now? Um, we we are doing everything that we can. I'm taking vitamins, multivitamins to just to boost up my fertility, but nothing is happening. I keep seeing my period every month. So um, we started consulting again with specialists this time around, and mm -hmm. um, they did the first um, procedure, um, a laparoscopy, just to check what is uh, going on there. Why am I not falling pregnant? Again, the results came back. Um, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. We waited. Uh, we did um, another procedure where we went to a fertility clinic and we said, what other options do we have? Because now it's not happening. We keep on waiting. Yeah. Um, and we did artificial insemination, which is the cheaper option um, uh, either than IVF, where your female reproductive system is is okay it looks functional everything is fine you don't have any cysts and tumors um and they insert the the semen inside your um, okay. your uterus mm -hmm. so that is a much cheaper option so they give you medication that you take when you ovulate you go to the clinic they take a sample of the sperm and they just put it they insert it inside of you uh, we tried those twice and still they didn't work. Um, and there came a point where I was depressed because of uh, trying and not having a child. And we got to a point where the stress was so much that the outside world was putting so much pressure on us as a couple mm -hmm. that it started to wear us down, you know, um, and we went through, I went through depression. You know, men deal with disappointments in different ways. Yeah. So his mm -hmm. way of dealing with the situation was to commit himself to his career. Um, he'd always travel and um, studying. So he, he distracted himself with that. Um, around, I think it was November, um, one of the years, I can't remember properly. Uh, but I remember I was in such a deep hole um, that I sat down with a therapist and, and she said to me, but why are you living your life 
um, waiting for something that might not happen. You are young, you are in a loving relationship with your husband, you've got people that love you, and here you are um, living your life for a child that might not come. And we made all the plans. We we had shares, we bought shares, you know, financially we were ready. Yeah. Um, just when the baby arrives, we know we're going to buy baby stuff, cots and prints and mm-hmm. And when the baby was not coming and the investment was just sitting there, there wasn't anything we could hold on to. And from that day on, when the therapist spoke to me, um, I realized that uh-uh, I am living my life holding on to something. What if I never fall pregnant? Yeah. Am I always going to be in this state of sadness? And I decided from there on, I'm giving up on this. Um, um, we are not going to try anymore. Um, um, I didn't go back to contraceptives, but I gave up trying. Um, I gave up wanting to control the situation, uh, consulting doctors and so on. And I registered to go study um, my postgrad. And um, January, um, I went to register. I registered, everything was fine. I was up on my feet. You know, when, when you are overcoming a certain issue in your life and you feel now I am walking out of the tunnel. It felt like that when I went to register for my studies. Wow. I did not have any sense of sadness in me. Um, I went and I registered and I was a happy student. Right in the middle of that, actually it was right in the beginning, Two months into studying, I contracted chickenpox from my um, study oh, mate. My. So I had chickenpox, and um, I realized around uh, April that uh-uh, there's, I'm developing bumps now. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I went to the hospital, and they said a doctor said to me, "No, I'm I'm going to have to um, take a pregnancy test before I give you anything." I said, no, I'm not pregnant. There's just mm-hmm. no way. Just um, give me whatever. Um, and he gave me some medication, but he took a pregnancy test. Later on, he came back um, and said, but your pregnancy test is positive. I said, there's no way my pregnancy <laughs> test is positive. There is no way. I am not pregnant. And um, I refused wow. to take a scan on that day. They printed out the results and they gave them to my husband because I was stubborn, not wanting yeah. to listen that I'm pregnant. And we, we kept quiet. We didn't tell um, friends and family mm-hmm. until we were eight weeks pregnant. We didn't consult. We, we just, just in case we miscarry or anything happens, just mm-hmm. so we, we don't have our hopes high. And lo and behold, we were pregnant. Um, wow. And before that, um, I missed um, to tell you that we, we had two miscarriages before um, oh, the no. miracle so baby. Sorry. Um, and it happened in, in a very early pregnancy, like two weeks. I wouldn't know that I'm expecting. And um, I'd find that my period is painful. And I go to the doctor and they say, no, your pregnancy test is positive. Your uterus looks like... 
Um, uh, it looks a bit uh, swollen. Um, right. There seems to have been some activity that was happening, but they can't see anything. So you can imagine when I received the news that I was pregnant, it was now uh, some sort of disbelief, exactly, you know. Yeah. And at eight weeks, you know, um, we went to the gynae and uh, he took a scan and we heard the first heartbeat. Uh-huh. Um, it just, I laid there on the doctor's bed and both my husband and I were in tears, literally. Mm-hmm. So the whole of 2011, I was pregnant and studying. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so was it actually chickenpox or was it chickenpox? It was chicken oh, okay. pox. So I, okay. I did have chicken pox. Well. And wow. um, wh- one of the things that uh, doctor was saying that it's very dangerous to have chicken pox early pregnancy because it can cause deformities and, and, and. Mm-hmm. But we just, you know, after that eight weeks, we just stayed on the word of God. We just chose yes. to stand on his promises. Lord, um, you know, he, his blessings are irrevocable, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, He's, he adds no sorrow to his gift. So we yeah. said, Lord, this gift will not add sorrow to us. Um, we are going to have a healthy pregnancy. And on the 1st of January, 2012, I gave birth to a healthy baby boy wow. um, by the name of Ndumiso Musawa Kezwani. Wow. Meaning what does that mean? We, yeah. praise, uh-huh. we praise his, his mercy and his grace. Oh, such a beautiful name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, with fertility issues, the story does not only end when you give birth to your first child. Sure. Um, two years after he was born, we had an ectopic pregnancy, oh. um, and one of my children so had to be removed. Uh, again, oh. I didn't know. I was pregnant until I started feeling some heavy pain. When I went to the doctor, they found that uh, uh, there's a a pregnancy in my tube and it needed to be removed. So the next day I was in theater. Um, So the journey just continued on and on. We had uh, two other miscarriages after the ectopic pregnancy. And the latest one was February this year. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never been on contraceptives ever since my son was born. Uh, but it doesn't seem to happen uh, when we, we wish it could happen. So what was found, uh, what the doctors found um, was that I had what they call antiphospholipid syndrome which okay. is an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. that causes your own body to um, create antibodies that fight against the pregnancy. So whenever there is a pregnancy, um, the body thinks it's a foreign, ob- foreign object. So nice. it would go and um, destroy it. Or, wow. um, and it, it, it also causes clots. You know, so I had to be on uh, blood thinning medication throughout my pregnancy. So I would inject myself on a daily basis uh, with uh, blood thinning injections. Um, and 
hence the cause of my recurring miscarriages. Um, it's an it's a immunological disorder that happens in um, not so many women. Um, mm -hmm. But the interesting thing as well about our infertility journey is that my husband at some point when we went to the fertility clinic also had to get tested. Okay. Um, even though he had a child, but he had to be tested because anything can happen between having your first child and trying for the next one. Exactly, yeah. So they found out that the morphology of his sperm was, was not healthy, was not to a point that it can impregnate a woman. So this is caused by lifestyle issues like um, the kind of underwear you wear, um, the, if you are exposed to heat, um, the kind of food that you eat. So with men, it's different because they have cycles of uh, semen that they produce. Mm -hmm. um, not unlike women where we have a lifetime of eggs um, for us. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that is our fertility journey. Wow. You're, I don't know what to say. You're such a strong woman. You've gone through so much, but it's, but we thank God for your rainbow yeah. baby and such a miracle. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that even though you're hoping for and you're praying and you're believing God for the child, when you go through uh, recurrent losses or disappointments, even though you're hoping, there's a part of you that even when it happens, you don't really believe it. You don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to get disappointed again. So you protect yourself by just not believing it. Yeah. Which is... That's right. Yeah. And it's good that your husband also got tested. I like the fact that you said that even though you had a child before, anything could have changed. Because sometimes I find that lots of people say that, like, you know, men will say, well, I had a child when I was in, in uh, younger in university. So I must be fine, must be my wife, must be my partner. And in reality, it's not the case because things can change. Like you noted, lifestyle can change and it can impact the sperm. So I'm so glad that you touched on that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. For your autoimmune disease, is there, is there a cure for it or is it just a way to manage it? There isn't a cure for um, the autoimmune disease. Um, it's a way of managing. Um, okay. Obviously, when you are trying, you'll have to be under um, um, care. Um, mm. So you'll need, before you fall pregnant, you'll need to uh, inform your medical health care uh, okay. professional that I am trying and you get put on blood thinning medication before you fall pregnant, pregnant right. uh, just so to reduce the chances of um, uh, pregnancy loss. Right. So it, it's not something that you, you, um, you get, I don't want to say you get healed from, but there isn't any medication that you, you just have to manage. Manage it, okay. So, yeah. yeah. And do people usually get um, tested for it before? Because I just wonder, do you have to have losses before the doctors will test for that? Or can they just test for it from the very beginning if you ever want to get pregnant? It's not something um, that doctors check uh, right the first few sessions that you go to. 
Um, but recurring pregnancy losses um, are one of the symptoms that you might have uh, an right. autoimmune disease. So they therefore would check out an option uh, like that after you've had um, some uh, recurring pregnancy losses. But you can uh, request your doctor to take those tests. Um, okay. Even when you have not uh, lost a pregnancy. Okay. Good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And what role did faith play during that whole time while you're waiting and, of course, experiencing the losses and yeah. disappointments? As a born again Christian, um, I have to be honest with you with this one. It, it was a difficult one. First of all, um, I thought to myself, uh, Lord, if I kept myself as a young lady, you know, we are taught in church, keep yourself till marriage. Yeah. And um, then I thought everything after marriage is going to be smooth because especially with fertility issues, it it comes as sort of like a reward from God that you have been good in your youth. So that was my first struggle, that it didn't make sense for me. Um, the action and the reward, it, it didn't make sense for me. Um, but as I grew in the Lord, I realized that uh, the Lord has plans for our lives. And therefore, because he's, he's the master, he can, you know, um, play around and... Um, put things together for Mm -hmm. our good. Um, It was difficult, I must confess, at church uh, when we were trying and we were getting questions, uh, what is happening? Some of the Christians were saying, you know, it's because of sins that you've committed. That is why you are not uh, conceiving. It's because of things that your father's committed. Um. But it was difficult. We had to depend on on each other um, through faith. And we would always confess the word of God. We yeah. fasted together. We prayed together. We take communion together. Every time we take communion, even in the privacy of our own home, we'd always declare the healing uh, power of the blood of Jesus um, mm. in our lives. And just holding on to that. But I think because of um, lack of information, the church was unable to um, get to a point where they can fully support Mm -hmm. uh, because I guess they did not know how to relate with us. Uh, So it was a bit difficult. It was a bittersweet moment. But there came a point where we both had to find peace um, in the fact that we we might not have children between the two of us. And I promise you that on its own, I felt a certain peace that I've never had before um, in our uh, infertility journey. Mm-hmm. And this is what I am advocating for every time when I speak to people that it's not all our stories that will end up with a miracle baby. Yes. Uh, it's not all, everyone, it's not every woman, every couple that will end up with a miracle baby. But we all need to get to a point where 
we we get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Uh, be where we are and still be content with who we are. True. And with or without a baby, we are, we are whole and valuable. Yeah. And as we hope, we yeah. should also be aware that even if it doesn't happen, God is still good and we're still yeah. perfect. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. I wonder if, uh, like you mentioned with the church, uh, I think it's, a, do you think there's much more awareness now with the work you're doing? I mean, you're always um, sharing so much information on Instagram. You, like I noted earlier, you invited to the uh, first fertility show in Africa to speak. Do you think things are changing? Because again, like you're saying that people are saying to you it's because of sins and you know, that's obvious lack of awareness. You know, it's not a punishment. Infertility is not a punishment, it's a disease. And people need to understand yeah. that. So I wonder, yeah. do you think it's changing with you speaking so much about it and also, also uh, having so much guests on your uh, Instagram live speaking about this and just letting people know that this can happen to anyone and doesn't, it has something to do with what you've done. Or not mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back as well to um, the, the point that I said, you know, God moves things around yeah. in our lives for a purpose. And I think God placed us in this situation and we needed to go through what we went through mm-hmm. so that we could be authentic advocates yes. of infertility and the faithfulness of God in this journey. Um, People around me um, or around us, uh, people that follow us, people that listen to us, they have somehow gained a certain enlightenment about infertility. Um, To a point that at our local church during Mother's Day, um, they even recognized women that don't have children amen i love that you know um we there had to be that awareness that you know there are people that we exclude the minute we say can all the mothers stand so that they can receive a gift Mm -hmm. you know um we are excluding the hannahs that are sitting amongst us you know we are saying you are not worthy of a gift you don't deserve a gift because you've never been in the labor ward um so, yes, there has been that uh, enlightenment, even among family members. Um, both of our families and relatives have set us down, asking us questions about infertility. We've had people come to us that are struggling, that feel that they can uh, open up to us because we can uh, sort of understand what they are going through. So I, I can say that... Um, with us talking about our, our, our journey, uh, people have found uh, information and um, enlightenment about the topic. That's wonderful. And I really love, because I love the fact that you spoke about the Mother's Day and the women getting up, because funny enough, just before I slept last night, I thought about that and I thought, should there be a way to let churches know that, you know, when you made that statement, it's not really a good statement to me because Again, every woman there is a mother. They might not have their own children, but they also mother other people's children. They might have nieces and nephews. They might have cousins they're raising. They might just raising a neighbor's kid. So everyone is a mother. And like you said, lots of people have been excluded 
when you say only the mothers should get up, people might have had losses uh, over and over again. And, you know, to right. exclude those kind of people. And sometimes people don't even want to go to church on that day because yeah. they don't want to have to face that, um, that moment when they tell mothers to get up. So thank you so much for changing that around. And I hope that this will go around in many churches around the world and people understand the, the importance of, of uh, including all women as opposed to just people that have living children at the time. Mm -hmm. So thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. And of course, yeah. speaking more about the fact that you're raising awareness in black communities, I just find that there's much more stigma attached to infertility. People, first of all, think that blacks are so fertile. So if there's one person not having children, they, you can't seem to understand it, even though there's actually a lot of people dealing with it but no one wants to speak about it. So mm. now speaking specifically about black community, how were you able to even, I mean, how, how did you find it? Did you find it easy to even come out and speak about it? Did people talk to you afterwards to ask questions? And do you think that within the black community, things are changing now mm. in, in being open about this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't something that um, both uh, Jerry and I planned to come out um, okay. with. It happened gradually. So after our son was born, I think people realized that we had been struggling before. Okay. Um, and we started having couples that came to us um, and wanted to um, talk to us about their struggles. Mm -hmm. people that were believing God for children, and they started coming, you know, um, and we would share our story with those couples um, until at one point, you know, we felt led by God that we should uh, come out and talk about it so that we could release those couples that are um, held captive by the stigma of infertility. Yeah. So we had to heal from our own journey so that we could open up to being vulnerable about our journey to other people. So it had to take um, us going through the process of um, if we do have a, um, a miscarriage, uh, we, we, we lose a pregnancy mm -hmm. and people find out we should be we should be vulnerable enough to allow the world in uh, so that we don't hold anything back. So the devil is in the secrecy, honestly. Um, yeah. People stigmatize things because they don't understand them. And um, they are stigmatized because they are hidden. Uh, people don't know about it. So we had to come out um, and be vulnerable about our story and find that people get helped when we are vulnerable. As long as we don't open ourselves up, as long as my husband um, cannot say uh, he had challenges with his semen and he feels he's less of a man when he, um, you know, talks about that, then it's not going to help the other men that are trying out there. Um, but the Lord has given us so much strength uh, to be, uh, open publicly uh, regarding our fertility journey. And hence, we see a lot of people responding in different ways. 
um, a lot of men are starting to talk to him now to say, you know, um, I'm having fertility issues. I'm afraid of getting tested. My wife has been going for procedures, um, but I'm at a point where I think I'm the problem. Uh, how do I deal with this as a man? And that is a fundamental uh, conversation that men yes. should start having. So coming out with our story was more to break the stigma um, of infertility. That's wonderful. Well said. And I really love the fact that you noted that now people are, men are approaching your husband to, uh, to, to guide them on how to, to go about it and get tested. This is wonderful because again, for men, it's a big issue and people just tie uh, being able to have proper sperm to, to, to their whole being. Just like women have concerns about not being able to carry a child. For men, it's also very important that sperm and people don't talk about it as much. So I'm glad that your husband is uh, championing that conversation and also getting people to, to know, and that it can also be treated. Just because you have that condition does not mean there is no ways around it and treatment that can help to improve it. So that's right. amazing. And looking back now with all so much, all that you've gone through um, all these years, looking back now, when you were much younger, what, what do you think, what do you wish you knew before all this started? I wish I knew what infertility was. Yeah. I had no idea um, what infertility was. It, it actually makes me very emotional when I think about my ignorance. Um, we always knew that there's women that uh, can't have children, but we thought, I always thought um, they might have removed the uterus somehow. Mm -hmm. um, I was very ignorant. Uh, I didn't even think, I mean, um, no one in my family has has had a problem with infertility and not that I knew of at that time. Um, my mom didn't have any pregnancy losses. My grandmother's um, didn't have any fertility issues. So I went into marriage um, with the thinking that this is not even going to be a problem. It wasn't even thought of. And even during premarital counseling, it was not discussed. And this is where my husband and I also come in now right. to include in premarital counseling um, the fertility discussion, you know, um, because many marriages suffer along the way when they discover that uh, uh, this woman now cannot uh, give me children. And yeah. then now the man wants to decide whether they want this woman or not. And by then, it's, it's, it's too late. Too late uh, yeah. Marriage is not defined by um, a couple being able to have children. So I was very ignorant of infertility. I did not know what it was about. But the funny thing about it is that once I started now talking to both my grandmothers about it, and I, I discovered that they actually had pregnancy losses, they had stillborns, 
And I was surprised that this is something that is present in the family, but no one, it was like a secret somehow. Yeah. And in their endeavor to comfort me, they then became vulnerable and shared their stories. And I thought to myself, but why can't we normalize these discussions among women? Before yeah. I get married, you, you tell me before I get married that my daughter, as you are going to get married, you know, just know that might be a time where you are believing God for children they, and they are not coming or they do come, but you know, you lose the pregnancy. It's not as though people are bewitching you. Try again. Yeah. Don't give up, you know, and you, you build the woman up. You empower the woman before the situation happens. So we become proactive. Um, that's the, that's number one. Number two, I wish I went for my, um, female checkups earlier as a teenager, I would go to the doctor when I have period pains and all of that. But I think it's imperative in the 21st century that women should go for their fertility checkups. Um, even when they are not sexually active. Things like PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian yeah. syndrome, they can be picked up at an early stage. Things like endometriosis, they can yeah. be picked up at an early stage. And once we introduce our teenage girls to uh, these type of interventions, we allow their bodies to heal even before they... Um, they plan on having children. I think one of the biggest um, African misconceptions is that you only visit a, a, um, a, um, a gynecologist when you are sexually active, and that is not true. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much. That's, you shared so much wisdom there. So many things you, you've noted on. I love the fact that you, know, you also noted that you currently include fertility conversations even during the premarital counseling, because again, that's a big part. It's a good time to know, to have those conversations, to understand that it might happen early, it might not, it might take some time, and it potentially might never happen. So to, to also know that it's a possibility, people can prepare their minds. And then even for young children, like you noted, endometriosis and PCOS, again, let them know how to manage it well in advance before they're ready to even get married. So again, it just seems like, you're way ahead of where we need to be. You're already talking everything that we need to be doing. So I'm hoping that all around the world will listen to all your suggestions and will get things moving. And that would help to change things around the black community. That would help to normalize and let us understand that this can happen and let's focus on how to treat it as opposed to just hiding, you know? Yeah. So thank you. Uh, and if you could say something to encourage anyone dealing with infertility or any couple, what would you say? Sure, thank you very much um, for that. Um, if there is anyone out there who's trying um, and you don't understand why you are not falling pregnant, why something that happens so easily to uh, billions of people out there, you are struggling. First of all, um, I just want to say you are not alone. Um, you are one of six or eight couples um, who are struggling um, yeah. to conceive. There's 
many, many infertility warriors out there that are just like you, that are just going through the same pain as, as you are. You are not alone. That's number one. Two, it's not your fault. Um, infertility is nobody's fault. There isn't anything you would have done to God for you to deserve the punishment of infertility. Infertility is a disease like diabetes, like high blood pressure and all the other diseases out there. Infertility is a disease. It's, it's, it's um, an abnormality in our reproductive system, just like you would have an abnormality anywhere else in your body. Um, seek help. Find credible um, fertility specialists. Find information um, about your condition. Mm -hmm. Ask questions and remain in faith. Um, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And um, he heals all diseases, including infertility. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thanks so much for that. I'm sure many people will be encouraged by that. Just to go back a little bit earlier, you said that when you went mm -hmm. to that counselor and you spoke with her and she said that uh, you were pretty much living for something that might not happen and why are you not living your life and just so focused and, um, on, on having a baby. I thought that was so amazing what she said and how it impacted you. Do you think that was a turning point for you and would you recommend people if they're in such a bad state or a place to to seek counseling most definitely uh, what tends to happen with uh, people that are trying um, is you you start checking your ovulation date mm. Um, you don't enjoy intimacy with your husband anymore because you are literally counting um, the days and you know if you conceive today, when are you going to deliver? Um, yeah. you, you are so much aware of your body. Um, the minute you start missing your period for a day or two, you are aware that uh, something is happening here. Yeah. You get so consumed that Whenever you walk around the mall and you walk around baby clothes and something draws you, something, there's something that draws you to, to this uh, baby world, but the yeah. baby is not there. And psychologically, this is dangerous because this is where, um, if it's not controlled, we can get to a point where we have fathom pregnancies or pseudo pregnancies. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's therefore important that as we try, as we believe God, as we have faith, that you also protect your heart um, and not want to control the situation. That was a turning point for me because I put everything on hold because I so badly wanted to fall pregnant. So anything that I would think of 
if we were planning a trip overseas with my husband, I'd say no, because maybe I'll be pregnant then. And yeah. I might not be able to travel to malaria places and all of that. So I would put plans on hold. Um, so I think that was the turning point for me that why the question said, why are you living your life hoping or holding on to something that might never happen? And that for me was a turning point that I can still enjoy life even um, if I'm not falling pregnant right now or even when I'm still struggling with my fertility journey. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carabo, for coming on the show today. It's really been so amazing. Uh, I have learned so much. I'm sure all the listeners have learned so much. You've shared so much wisdom. You have touched on so many aspects that we can all start making those changes in our own lives, in our own circles, in our churches, in our um, clinics, in our homes, uh, and hopefully change these things around and make infertility something that we can discuss all the time and help each other. So thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. So <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on here. Your testimony also very encouraging. You're such a strong woman going through all that you did, but your faith stayed strong. Um, and here you are now with your testimony and rainbow babies. So we just, we just thank God. So thank you. And if there's anyone out there that has listened and you want to connect to Carabo, you can, again, as I said earlier, reach out on Instagram at Hannah underscore you are not alone. She's very active and her Sunday sessions are always very amazing and very insightful. They're always a blessing. So I hope you can join her and uh, connect with her and uh, get more information. So thank you so much, Carabo. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a pleasure um, to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.